the Bible. From America's colonial period to her rise to become the richest, most powerful nation in history, the ideas and values that guide us, protect us, and hold our society together flow from the pages of this book of books. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Our founding documents affirm and build on the scriptural concepts of God-given, not state-granted rights, and of liberty under law. The biblical worldview shaped our work ethic, made education a priority, and birthed the notion of finite, limited government under divine authority. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The Pilgrims, the Puritans, the Founding Fathers, and American leaders throughout our history have emphasized the Bible's importance to America. The first and almost the only book worthy of universal attention is the Bible. John Quincy Adams. But for the book, we cannot know right from wrong. All the things desirable to man are contained in it. Abraham Lincoln. The foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. Calvin Coolidge. The Bible Live is your opportunity to listen to the Bible, a 15 to 20 minute reading every weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout on this annual excursion through the Word, Soapy Dollar. Yes, indeedy. Just now, flipping over in my Bible to the book of First Thessalonians. That's where we'll pick up tonight. We have gone already through the first three chapters. It got into chapter four. So interesting to make our way through these Pauline epistles remembering the relationship that he had with each one of these congregations, these cities, these communities where he visited. He had never visited Rome, and then we talked about Corinth and his experience there. Now, the book of Galatians was a book that was written to be passed around to a region. Galatia was a region of Asia. She went to Macedonia and to northern Greece over into Philippi. Ephesus was also there in Asia. Philippi was over into Europe, or is northern Greece today. Colossians, a city of Colossae back on the continent, and then Thessalonians up in northern Greece again. I'll remind you a little bit of Paul and his relationship with the people of Thessalonica. Then, of course, we go into a couple of books, the pastoral epistles to Timothy, Titus, two young pastors that Paul communicated with, and then Philemon. Before we get into the book of 1 Thessalonians tonight, I'll remind you again of where Thessalonica is, what relationship Paul had with them prior to his writing the letter, the reasons he wrote the letter and the themes of those different letters. But as always, I don't want to give short change to our wisdom and worship segment because so very often in the Psalms and the Proverbs, there is a lot of theology, a lot of details about God's character, the attributes of God, and then they're also so very practical. Tonight we particularly pick up wisdom for leaders People who are in leadership, whether it's their home or at work. Proverbs 25, 1-13. These are more Proverbs of Solomon, collected by the advisors of King Hezekiah of Judah. It is God's privilege to conceal things, and the king's privilege to discover them. No one can discover the height of heaven, the depth of the earth, or all that goes on in the king's mind. 
Remove the dross from silver, and the sterling will be ready for the silversmith. Remove the wicked from the king's courts, and his reign will be made secure by justice. Don't demand an audience with the king or push for a place among the great. It is better to wait for an invitation than to be sent to the end of the line publicly disgraced. Just because you see something, don't be in a hurry to go to court. You might go down before your neighbors in shameful defeat. So discuss the matter with them privately. Don't tell anyone else, or others may accuse you of gossip. Then you will never regain your good reputation. Timely advice is as lovely as golden apples in a silver basket. Valid criticism is as treasured by the one who heeds it as jewelry made from the finest gold. Faithful messengers are as refreshing as snow in the heat of summer. They revive the spirit of their employers. End of reading Proverbs 25, 1-13. Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Paul established the church in Thessalonica during his second missionary journey. We read about that visit in the book of Acts. He wrote this letter a short time later to encourage the believers there to assure them of his love, of his continued concern for them, to praise them for their faithfulness during persecution. Now, persecution begins to become a principal theme in the letters of Paul because those who follow Jesus, the Messiah, now begin to be persecuted not only by the Jewish authorities, the Jewish religious leaders, as they were in Jerusalem and so on, but even across the Roman Empire now, they began to be persecuted and socially ostracized because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Judaism was a sanctioned religion. For a while, Christianity was under the cover of Judaism. But then when they began to see this complete break, then Christianity began to come under persecution by the Roman authorities as well. This is a message of exhortation and comfort. He challenges them to please God in their daily living by avoiding sexual immorality, loving each other, living as good citizens in a sinful world. Remember, they didn't live in a democracy. They did not live in a country that had the Bible and the gospel for centuries. They lived in a very pagan and very immoral, corrupt societies. And they were called upon to respect the leaders and to follow the laws and to be good citizens, even as they gave a great witness for the cause of Christ. We're getting into the chapters now where Paul begins to talk to them about what happens when people die. They had that question for him, and he answers the question about life after death and the Christian hope, the Bible life. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 through 2 Thessalonians to 1 Timothy 2.15. 1 Thessalonians 4. And now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know what will happen to the Christians who have died so you will not be full of sorrow like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus comes, God will bring back with Jesus all the Christians who have died. I can tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not rise to meet Him ahead of those who are in their graves. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the call of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. 
First, all the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and remain with Him forever. So comfort and encourage each other with these words. 1 Thessalonians 5 I really don't need to write to you about how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. When people are saying, all is well, everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall upon them, as suddenly as a woman's birth pains begin when her child is about to be born. And there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be sober. Night is the time for sleep and the time when people get drunk. But let us who live in the light think clearly, protected by the body armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God decided to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. He died for us so that we can live with him forever, whether we are dead or alive at the time of his return. So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and warn you against all that is wrong. Think highly of them and give them your wholehearted love because of their work. And remember to live peaceably with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil. But always try to do good to each other and to everyone else. Always be joyful. Keep on praying. No matter what happens, always be thankful. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Keep away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until that day when our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God who calls you is faithful. He will do this. Dear brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all the brothers and sisters in Christian love. I command you in the name of the Lord to read this letter to all the brothers and sisters. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all of you. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. The Book of 2 Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 1 This letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. It is written to the church in Thessalonica, you who belong to God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Dear brothers and sisters, we always thank God for you, as is right, for we are thankful that your faith is flourishing, and you are all growing in love for each other. We proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and faithfulness in all the persecutions and hardships you are suffering. But God will use this persecution to show His justice, for He will make you worthy of His kingdom for which you are suffering, 
and in his justice he will punish those who persecute you. And God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted, and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. He will come with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God, and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power, when he comes to receive glory and praise from his holy people. And you will be among those praising him on that day, for you believed what we testified about him. And so we keep on praying for you, that our God will make you worthy of the life to which he calls you. And we pray that God, by his power, will fulfill all your good intentions and faithful deeds. Then everyone will give honor to the name of our Lord Jesus because of you, and you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the undeserved favor of our God and Lord, Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 2 And now, brothers and sisters, let us tell you about the coming again of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered together to meet him. Please don't be so easily shaken and troubled by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Even if they claim to have had a vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us, don't believe them. Don't be fooled by what they say. For that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy every god there is and tear down every object of adoration and worship. He will position himself in the temple of God, claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back, for he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. This evil man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of wicked deception to fool those who are on their way to destruction because they refuse to believe the truth that would save them. So God will send great deception upon them, and they will believe all these lies. Then they will be condemned for not believing the truth and for enjoying the evil they do. As for us, we always thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. We are thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation, a salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy and by your belief in the truth. He called you to salvation when we told you the good news. Now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. With all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on everything we taught you, both in person and by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father, who loved us and in his special favor gave us everlasting comfort and good hope, comfort your hearts and give you strength in every good thing you do and say. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Second Thessalonians 3 Finally, dear brothers and sisters, I ask you to pray for us. Pray first that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. Pray, too, that we will be saved from wicked and evil people, for not everyone believes in the Lord. 
But the Lord is faithful. He will make you strong and guard you from the evil one. And we are confident in the Lord that you are practicing the things we commanded you, and that you always will. May the Lord bring you into an ever deeper understanding of the love of God and the endurance that comes from Christ. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we give you this command with the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay away from any Christian who lives in idleness and doesn't follow the tradition of hard work we gave you. For you know that you ought to follow our example. We were never lazy when we were with you. We never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night so that we would not be a burden to any of you. It wasn't that we didn't have the right to ask you to feed us, but we wanted to give you an example to follow. Even while we were with you, we gave you this rule. Whoever does not work should not eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and wasting time meddling in other people's business. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we appeal to such people. No, we command them. Settle down and get to work. Earn your own living. And I say to the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter. Stay away from them, so they will be ashamed. Don't think of them as enemies, but speak to them as you would to a Christian who needs to be warned. May the Lord of peace himself always give you his peace, no matter what happens. The Lord be with you all. Now here is my greeting, which I write with my own hand, Paul. I do this at the end of all my letters, to prove that they really are from me. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. The Book of 1 Timothy 1 Timothy 1 This letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God our Savior and by Christ Jesus our hope. It is written to Timothy, my true child in the faith. May God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. When I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those who are teaching wrong doctrine. Don't let people waste time in endless speculation over myths and spiritual pedigrees. For these things only cause arguments. They don't help people live a life of faith in God. The purpose of my instruction is that all the Christians there would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and sincere faith. But some teachers have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and spend their time arguing and talking foolishness. They want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses, but they don't know what they are talking about, even though they seem so confident. We know these laws are good when they are used as God intended, but they were not made for people who do what is right. They are for people who are disobedient and rebellious, who are ungodly and sinful, who consider nothing sacred and defile what is holy who murder their father or mother or other people. These laws are for people who are sexually immoral, for homosexuals and slave traders, for liars and oath-breakers, and for those who do anything else that contradicts the right teaching that comes from the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed God. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. How thankful I am to Christ Jesus our Lord for considering me trustworthy and appointing me to serve Him even though I used to scoff at the name of Christ. I hunted down his people, harming them in every way I could. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. 
Oh, how kind and gracious the Lord was. He filled me completely with faith and the love of Christ Jesus. This is a true saying, and everyone should believe it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I was the worst of them all. But that is why God had mercy on me, so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of His great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in Him and receive eternal life. Glory and honor to God forever and ever. He is the eternal King, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you, based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they give you the confidence to fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling tightly to your faith in Christ, and always keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Hymenaeus and Alexander are two examples of this. I turned them over to Satan so they would learn not to blaspheme God. 1 Timothy 2 I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. As you make your request, plead for God's mercy upon them and give thanks. Pray this way for kings and all others who are in authority, so that we can live in peace and quietness, in godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior, for He wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and people. He is the man, Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message that God gave to the world at the proper time. And I have been chosen, this is the absolute truth, as a preacher and apostle to teach the Gentiles about faith and truth. So wherever you assemble, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God free from anger and controversy. And I want women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair or by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes. For women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive by the good things they do. Women should listen and learn quietly and submissively. I do not let women teach men or have authority over them. Let them listen quietly. For God made Adam first, and afterward he made Eve. And it was the woman, not Adam, who was deceived by Satan, and sin was the result. But women will be saved through childbearing and by continuing to live in faith, love, holiness, and modesty. End of reading 1 Thessalonians 4.13 through 2 Thessalonians to 1 Timothy 2.15. Yes, living, dying, let me Now, let me remind you that you are hearing these letters exactly like the members of these churches in that era, in that time, heard them. They were read aloud to them. It is a fascinating thing to know and to imagine yourself among those believers as you get this letter from Paul who had been there with you, had helped establish you in the faith, and had first brought to you the good news of God's love and his solution to the problem of sin by sending his son, the Messiah, Jesus, and that we could, by faith, personal decision that each of us must make come into that relationship with God. You can just sense the love that Paul had for these men and women. He really cares for them. And even to Timothy, his young son in the faith, 
you can catch that love, that deep concern that he has for their lives. Regardless of the contents of the different letters, his style was almost always affirming, positive. He began almost every one of his letters by stating something that he most appreciated about his readers, the joy he felt because of their faith in God, or he has heard others speak of their faith and of their God-honoring lives that they led. No matter if later on he comes to give them a warning or give them a correction, he always has something positive and encouraging to say. That's a good word for all of us as well. Look for ways to encourage and build other believers up. You can see here now from 1 Thessalonians to 2 Thessalonians what happened. As I mentioned before, Paul had to leave in a hurry because some persecution rose up after he had founded them in their faith. And he sent Timothy back after a while for a visit. That is mentioned here in the letter to the Thessalonians. Then he has this very encouraging letter talking about the hope of the resurrection and life after death. It's not just an empty hope. Oh, I hope there's something. But we have every evidence. We have every reason to believe that there is life after this life. We do go on spiritually. We will go to be with God. We will dwell with God and his people. Now, there's a wonderful passage I want to mention as quickly as I can without getting too complicated. What does the Bible say about us as human beings? There is a passage here in 1 Thessalonians 5. May the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus comes again. God will make this happen, for it is he who calls you, and he is faithful. He talks about body, soul, and spirit. The New Testament anthropological view of man is that we are spirit. That is the essence of yourself, the ego, the seat of the will, your ultimate essential self. That's the spirit. Then there's the soul, which is the bridge between the spirit and the body, for example, and to other soulish beings. Your neurological system, we have the hormones and chemical balances, emotions and intellect. The spirit expresses itself through the soul and then through the body, finally the body. And it says that God is going to keep us holy until he comes again, and he is going to do that. That's his place. I knew I was going to have a little bit of a hard time with that particular passage from 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Want you remember that passage? Anthropologically, it explains our human experience and our human life. We are a spirit. We have soulish capacity. The soul is a bridge between the spirit, your will, that essential you, and your body, for example. It controls and guides the body. The soul is the place of the intellect, the emotions, and it also is the place of communication speech and so on with other soulish beings but the point is that however you see us salvation of god is not just about forgiving our sins through the death on the cross but through christ's resurrection and the power of the holy spirit we are assured as well in our sanctification god will not fail in getting you to heaven the bible live with sophie dollar sophie reads from the new living translation by tyndale house publishers The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. 
start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's Word. 